Welcome back to this week's edition of First and Moose. It's the last one of the 2022-23 NFL season. And well, folks, I'm guessing you watched the Super Bowl as did about 111 million others in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, I'm depressed. Uh, I'm very sad. It has been an emotional week for me. Uh, it was an emotional Sunday night as well. Uh, I was numb from about the end of the game, about five, probably about two, three minutes left in the game until about Tuesday morning. I would say I just didn't feel anything. It was just kind of going through the motions, didn't really feel anything. I really processed it Tuesday, like during the day. I was like, wow, we really just lost that game. The Eagles just lost to the Chiefs. It's not it, – it's tough to lose. It's tough to lose in that way. Again, there's been so many things that have come out over the last week. You know, the field was terrible, which it was. It was terrible. It was probably one of the wor worst fields I've ever seen. Uh, you know, there's just so much stuff that came out from Philadelphia media, as you know, you're going to expect whenever you lose the Super Bowl. You're going to try every reason in the book to try and, you know, discredit the Chiefs' win. I'll give them credit. The Chiefs played a heck of a game, honestly. On offense and defense, they did a fantastic job. Special teams as well, they, they, they did a fantastic job adjusting to the field, maybe a little bit quicker, you know, not pointing any bias or anything, but maybe just a little bit quicker because, you know, the head groundskeeper for the Super Bowl just so happened to be the Chiefs, the Royals, uh, heads groundskeeper, season tickets, you know, 50 years, blah, blah, blah. Nothing interesting. No, 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 no interesting storylines there, of course. Um but you have to hand to see the Chiefs. They're a they are probably they are the most complete team in the league at the moment. I'm really scared that this year was the Eagles season to win it. Because I don't know how you're gonna bring back a lot of these guys. You know, you have Fletcher Cox out of contract, you have Brandon Graham out of contract, Devon Hargrave out of contract, Cha Chauncey Gardner Johnson out of contract, Brad Barry out of contract. On the offense, you have Somalo, who's out of contract. Kelsey might have played his last game. I will cry if that happens. I'm not even joking you. I will cry if Jason Kelsey retires. Lane Johnson just had shoulder surgery, and he's getting older. You know, you have all these different pieces, and Hurts, you know, who knows how much Hurts is going to get paid. This year was probably the Eagles' best chance of winning the Super Bowl. And whether it be the coaches, you know, maybe the plays that they, you know, maybe the plays they should have called didn't, and, you know, they shouldn't have called and did call and, you know, maybe it was the players, who knows. The opportunity was there for the Eagles to win this Super Bowl and for them not to win it is a major disappointment because when you go into the season, you, all, you go, come into the season after you know, you stack up some pretty impressive stars on both sides of the ball. You know, it is Super Bowl or bust. It's always Super Bowl and bust in Philadelphia. But this year especially was Super Bowl or bust because you knew you had the talent for it and you were the best team for pretty much the entire year up until the Super Bowl. It's tough. Even now, it's tough to wrap my head around. But I've come away with the positive that you don't have three of your professional sports teams make the championship in one mm -hmm. year 
all of them lose in in very very heartbreaking fashion but your team's also made the championship which shows the level of play that all three of those teams have being the Philadelphia Union the Philadelphia Phillies and of course the Philadelphia Eagles it's tough to see your teams lose like that in such heartbreaking fashion but you also i you know I'm looking on the positive side of things all three of those teams made the championship because they were the dominant they were dominant teams you know stacked top to bottom with young stars and also you know perennial all-stars that's where my pot that's the only positive thing I'm coming out of this with at this point it's you know you're looking at a potentially franchise changing offseason because you're going to have some you know, legendary stars of this Philadelphia Eagles franchise, all-time players that'll be first ballot Hall of Famers, Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey, potentially retiring. For you in this game, Manny, you know, take me through your kind of feelings watching this game. Uh, First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and then, of course, the fourth quarter where, you know, you really saw the Eagles start to collapse. Yeah. Um initially when um when the game started obviously the Eagles had the ball and it almost played out like I like I expected it a little bit just cuz they went down and scored. Um they said it before uh the game even started as the Eagles were walking out there. Um they were surprised that the Chiefs deferred cuz the Eagles are one of the best if not the best team in the first quarter, maybe in the first half. Um if they just build a lead, they just build and build until they just run out the clock, right? Um, but it was a good drive put together by Hertz. Um, other than he did a lot more throwing initially than I thought he would. Um, I was surprised by that. I thought they were gonna run the ball a lot. I think the first play, if not the second play, it went to Miles Sanders and he he fumbled, but he was out of bounds. So um after that, we didn't see too much of him. We saw a lot of Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Um, which again surprised me a little bit. I thought um Miles Sanders would get the ball a lot. He'd see a lot of carries in this game. Um, but he's also gonna be a free agent. So maybe an indicator of possibly they could move on from him, not getting him not getting him a lot of touches. Um they have a high draft pick, so um they could spend it on a running back or they could spend one on a running back if they want to, but um it's just something to think about, right? Um, but I was surprised by the amount of throwing he did. Some uh, great plays by Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard stepped up a lot, um, making some great plays. But obviously the guy everyone wants to talk about is Hurts. The throws that he made, the plays on the ground that he made, tied the Super Bowl record for most rushing touchdowns in a single in the in the game with three. Um, he was doing everything he could to to will the Eagles on and keep them, keep their hopes alive. And it wasn't like the, they needed to really, they were in the game the entire time up until, um, which for me was the, the, the play that changed it all. You could touch on it after um, when Hertz fumbled and they returned it for, for the touchdown, Nick Bowen picked it up and scored that to me was more impactful than the last play of the game, really um, because they, other than that, you would have been, most likely going in with a 10-point advantage, if I'm remembering it right, into the half. The Chiefs would say the Chiefs would have scored. You'd still be up by three if you didn't score any points on that drive. So um, it was just a lapse 
I don't know, in concentration in execution for, for Jalen Hurts because he almost never fumbles. I don't think I've ever seen him fumble. Um, maybe a snap uh, the um, between him and Kelsey, maybe, but not when he has the ball like that and just uh, running with it. So that surprised me. That really flipped the game on its head, um, gave the Chiefs a lifeline. And then um, overall, from the Chiefs' side, I think they were – they were the team that didn't make a single mistake, really. They didn't have as many penalties as the Eagles did. Um, no turnovers for them. Pat Mahomes was injured, but um, they didn't make any mistakes to really hurt themselves, which I think um, decided the game overall there, uh, making it a close one three-point game in the end. Yeah, again, it was a game that the Eagles really had in their hands in the first half. Uh I was worried with them getting the ball in the first half because typically, you know, whenever – I mean, a lot of teams now will defer to the second half uh, if they win the ball uh, just for momentum purposes. So when the Eagles didn't get it, you know, I got worried because uh, they would have the ball first and, of course, they score first. But also at the same time, you know, the Chiefs get the ball back in the second – excuse me, to start the second half. So that really scared me going into this game. Uh, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but yeah, I don't foresee Miles Sanders coming back, which, you know, sucks because he's a great, he is real. I mean, he's such a nice guy. Uh, he actually took pictures with my brother at Penn State when we went to a game. And then when we were, we went to an Eagles game two seasons ago, my brother somehow, this kid, this kid is, I don't understand him. He snuck down into the touchdown club. He got stopped. And then, of course, Miles Sanders' mom was right behind him. And she was like, oh, don't worry. He's with me. And she walked, and he walked in with her. He's an incredibly nice guy. You know, he didn't have to do that, but he did. Um, also, to and his mom as well, incredibly nice. But, uh, you know, he is a great player. He will find a home somewhere. But I think with the Eagles cap situation where they're at, you know, you have guys like Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, you can make a rushing attack out of that. I firmly believe you need to give Kenneth Gainwell a lot more playing time because the potential is there for him. He's a good player, you know, high character, really great. I think I think he has the potential to be, you know, an above average running back, maybe a top 15 running back, but he gets the amount of playing time he deserves. Uh, Hurts in this game, again, it's tough when you don't have a rushing attack. You really have to focus on your passing attack. And, Smith, I mean, Devontae Smith had a great game. Dallas Goddard had a really good game as well. Didn't have a, didn't have a touchdown in this one. Uh, A.J. Brown had 6 for 96, which is decent. But, again, like, you know, that's the guy you're paying $25 million a year and he didn't even eclipse 100 yards. Like, you know, something's got to give. Something has to give, and, you know, it's tough. The fumbles killed us. The fumbles killed us, especially that hurt fumble that led to the uh, return for, for six. That's when I really felt the momentum shift in the game is when they got that fumble recovery for a touchdown. I kind of felt the energy sway in the Chiefs' favor more uh, than the Eagles' favor. Um Another interesting, you know, little thing. Uh, our putters stuck. Like, they're terrible. Oh, my gosh. Aaron Sipas was great. 
first sixty, like first 13, 14 weeks of the season, no issue. Didn't have to worry about him. He goes down. We bring in Brett Kern, who was great in Tennessee, like mm-hmm. really a great punter. He was there for like 13 years. And then all of a sudden, forgets how to punt. He's hitting it like 30 yards, and he was like, oh, that's a great punt. What are you talking about, dude? You suck now. Like, he's he did terrible this season. He had so many punts that, you know, he got bailed out by. But, you know, Sipos came back in the Super Bowl. I don't know if he should have because he was terrible too. The Eagles have to find a long-term option at punter, which, again, sounds like the most – sounds like the most, like, you know – who cares about the punter in this case? But, you know, when you have a guy like Jake Elliott, who is as accurate as can possibly be, makes, you know, literally everything. I've never seen it. I I don't remember the last time he has missed something. I'll be honest. Uh, punting has just been a thing that's always been tough for the Eagles. We haven't had a great punter in, you know, God knows how long. We've always had good kickers. We never have had good punters. That's the problem. Uh, but again, you're looking at the main issue in this game, which was, you know, the Eagles let off the gas pedal, which is something I talked about last week on the episode. Uh, you know, the biggest key for the Eagles is you have to keep your foot on the gas and they didn't do that. Again, you're looking, you're playing against Patrick Mahomes, who's the top quarterback in the league and probably will be the top quarterback in the league for the next 10 to 15 years. You also have Andy Reid who probably is one of the greatest head coaches of all time, you know, probably a, what, top five, top ten head coach of all time. I mean, his coaching tree, too, is top five, top three, at least. Uh, You know, you're facing up against those two. You can't let up. And the Eagles did. They let the Chiefs in. They gave them a little sliver, and that's all the Chiefs needed. They took it, ran with the momentum. And, you know, it's still tough. To wrap my head around us losing this game uh it just sucks it really does it honestly sucks seeing my team lose like this uh and seeing again like i talked about seeing three of your teams lose in probably the most heartbreaking fashion you remember the night that the union and the phillies lost on that night down in kentucky uh we were walking we were covering the men's soccer conference tournament if you haven't heard the story before and we are walking around University of Kentucky's campus, which if you haven't been, SEC money is a real thing. It is very much a real thing. Uh, we probably, How long did we spend in that library down in Kentucky? We were probably in there for a good 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big tour, basically. We toured the whole thing. It took a while to uh, to get anything. No elevator. We didn't use any elevator. We, we took the stairs. Yeah, so Yeah, the elevator was broken. In this like fifty million dollar library, of course, that's West. That's you know, that's a West Virginia thing that would happen. But again, you're we're walking around this campus, and we're I think we what the first half of our walk we're watching the Union, and I think we're passing a cafeteria just as they were again, which was beautiful, and I watched the Union go down easily in PKs. All right, not great. We should have won that. We should have. I forget, we should have beat LAFC, but, you know, stuff happens. It's Philadelphia. All right. Get back to the hotel uh, and the Phillies game six in Houston. I thought they had it. Didn't have it in the World Series. The Astros were just too good. The Phillies lose on that. 
Then we come to Sunday night. All right, the Eagles can do it. Let's break this. We got this. Nope, we don't got this. Like, dang it, we lose it again. Three times in like 100 days. I think it was like 100 days. Three day, three times in 100 days, a Philadelphia team lost a league championship. Again, you have to look at the positive and negative side of it. But man, does it hurt. It really hurts watching your teams go out like that. What do you uh, what do you attribute it? What do you attribute it to? Do you think obviously um the Chiefs made less mistakes, right? We touched on these penalties. Um, you think that's just a matter of uh coaching because Andy Reid's done it a while, a lot longer than Sirianni, or is it just down to the players not executing um when it mattered most? I think it's a bit of both. Again, you're looking at a guy and Andy Reid, who has achieved everything at this point. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I firmly believe that with all of everything in me. I firmly believe that. And I think a lot of people believe that now, especially now that he's, you know, won another Super Bowl. Uh, I would have given, I would have said he was the first ballot, even if, you know, he just was the Eagles coach. Probably not, actually. He would probably, would it would not first ballot, but he probably would have still been a Hall of Famer. Uh, I attribute it to coaching. Again, it was the first time Sirianni, we, Sir, Sirianni was in it, excuse me. Uh, very passionate guy, knows how to rally a team. But the Super Bowl is just something else. It is a much different, it is a bigger animal than anybody could have expected. And you had so many guys who were in the Super Bowl for the first time. I don't know if it was, you know, big stage, the bright light, Killed the Eagles. I don't know if that's what happened. Maybe the field as well kind of neutralized the Eagles' pass rush, which it did. Um, I think it's lack of experience on the Eagles side in the Super Bowl because you only had like uh, six, seven, eight players maybe from that 2017 Eagles team that are still uh, on the Eagles currently or were on it this past season. Um, so you had a lot of guys who had never made it to that far in the playoffs. So maybe it was the bright lights. Maybe it was that. Who really knows? Um, the biggest thing in this one, the real, you know, the la- the final nail in the coffin for me was that Bradbury holding call. That was the nail in the coffin for me. Um, I think I lost my voice uh, at that mm-hmm. point. Um, I don't know if I told you this, too. I watched the game with a Bible study screw. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. You were, yeah. You were doomed from the start. You were doomed, I was from, doomed the start. from the start. I was doomed from the start. I mean, I so I went out with my buddies uh, to one of their friends' houses. I was like, all right, you know, normal Super Bowl party. How bad can it be? Well, I recognized one of the guys there, and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I remember him from, you know, I went to Easter last year at one of the churches in Morgantown because I was here. I was like, why not? Uh, bad experience. And I was like, okay, I recognize him from something, but I can't remember where. And then I realized, oh, this is his Bible studies group. Um, and it was terrible. Food was great. They, I mean, they make some great food. But I could not say anything that I would normally say watching an Eagles game. Uh, which was kind of, you know, again, it was probably just bad luck from the beginning. I didn't know, I didn't do what I normally did, and I got off of my game. 
Um, yeah. Talk me through, what do you think about that Bradbury holding call four days later? What are your feelings around it? Uh, to call it there, um, I felt like it had to be a bit more egregious. There wasn't really much of a jersey tug, I don't think. He grabbed him by the hip, maybe a little bit when uh, he kind of turned up. Uh, he might have grabbed a little jersey. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it, uh, it could have been more egregious for it to be called there, but is it holding? Yeah, technically it is to call it there. It is, but, you know, you – there was a play earlier in the game too where basically the same thing happened and they didn't call it. Yeah. So what I found, what I've heard from a lot of analysts is, you know, if they don't call it early in the game, all right, players think they can get away with it. Or, you know, hey, they're not going to call a little jersey tug. They're going to let it, you know, they can let a little bit of hand fighting happen. So when Bradbury, yeah, again, he probably, he, it's tough. It's such a subjective call. You could either you could go either way. I've gone either way a bunch of times. I mean, um, I like the I like that you brought it up just because I was that's where I was going because um I've heard the same people say that um uh, not the way you phrased it because I think you phrased it better um you phrased it as like the players think they could get away with it but other people I've talked about it like if you haven't called it before then don't call it now right like you've kind of set the tone I don't like that just because. It's the rules. You pay these refs to make to call it by the rules, not by the way it's going or the way they might have missed a call before. If they missed a call before, they might have just missed it, not that they were trying to set the tone. They might have missed it before. Now they're going to call you, pay them to call it as it is. If it's a whole thing, yeah, call it. But not in a game like that. I mean, you had a stacked crew. I mean, you had how many? You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think that's a normal crew, but that's like, you know, the elite referees in the league. Like, there's a reason those guys are working the Super Bowl. You don't miss stuff like that. You don't miss stuff like that. Again, I see why they called it holding. I understand. But in a situation like that, that clutch point in the game, it completely changed the the dynamic of that game. Because he wouldn't have caught it. He he, No. No, he had no shot on the ball. Even if Bradbury didn't hold him, which I don't think he did, you know, I don't think that 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 what's the word I'm trying to think of? I don't think that really warranted a holding call, in my opinion. I really don't think so. To call it at that point in the game, you know, maybe it is the quote unquote script uh, <laughs> that everyone loves to talk about nowadays, and I really. Side point, I love how the players have really got into that. That's the best part of it. That I've really loved how they've gotten into it. But getting back to my point, again, if you don't call it early in the game, the players are gonna understand, hey, all right, they're not gonna pull, they're not gonna call a little jersey tug. They're not gonna call it. But in the biggest play of the game, what was the biggest play of the game? You know, a play that wouldn't have even happened. I mean, it wouldn't have even been a completed pass. You know, you call a little jersey tug, maybe a little bit of a pull when he tried to turn, which is holding. It's subjective. It's so subjective. And you could, again, we could go, we could go at this a thousand different ways. We can change our opinion a hundred different times. And we're going to have analysts tell us every different, every single topic, talking point for the next 
you know, however many months until the next until next season starts. It's so tough, but you at this point, looking at it now, you have to you have to make these rules more clear because I feel like there's so many times where these rules are so you know vaguely written that there isn't a specific situation when you know when a, a penalty is warranted like illegal man downfield which is probably the worst call in all of football I a hundred I don't understand I don't understand it I understand it but I don't understand why it's a penalty for an offensive lineman to be more than one, two yards downfield. Because when you're, I mean, when you're on someone and you're pushing them downfield as an offensive lineman, what are you worried about? I think just like uh, for like, I don't know, like they, so many of these calls go in the favor of the offense. I guess that one's supposed to go in the favor of the defense protecting, I don't know, maybe a secondary guy from um, having to face an offensive lineman. I don't even know, maybe too early or getting hit the wrong way by a guy that's like almost twice his size. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's the only thing I could think of um, as to why they would make that kind of call or make this a rule. Um, then make it clear. Then yeah. make that part, then make it clear. Cause otherwise, you know, that rule is so vaguely written that everybody is debating it. Well, what's the rule? Well, the NFL doesn't even know. The NFL doesn't know. And the referees don't even know. And the teams don't even know. Then, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? Like, are we going to make the rule clear or we're just going to get rid of the rule? Because it makes no, you know, no sense whatsoever. Uh, that's a whole other episode that we can get into all the rule changes for the NFL, which is probably a fair amount, in my opinion. Uh, something to note as well. You know this guy very well. You spent time. You were a fan <laughs> of him. Yeah. yeah. You were a fan of him in Pittsburgh. I wasn't. I hate him. Still hate him. Never liked him. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, what do you think of him now? What did you first? Let me get. What did you think of him in Pittsburgh? And what do you think of him now? Um, in Pittsburgh, I think it suits him now. Then uh, it his role now suits him. What it was in in Pittsburgh, it suits him better. Um, being a supporting a supporting role guy, um, he's not the star by any means. He's not the guy you look to on big plays. Um, he's not I don't know a role model example that you look towards. Um, when this when he was with the Steelers, it was about Ben, AB, Le'Veon. Those guys are the guys you look to get him the ball, be the example, be the leadership guys. Then when they're gone, it's kind of looked towards him and it kind of starts to deteriorate a little bit, right? There's a lot more instances, a lot more distractions. Um, so when it comes to the Chiefs, another established organization with established players, the guys who get the ball in the big moments are Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, um, even um, other players that have been there a bit longer, maybe Miko Hardman, uh, guys like that. Those are the established ones, and he's the supporting role guy. Hey, if he's open, if you design a play open for him, get it to him. He looks good. You make him look good. But um, he's not a leadership guy. He's not um, that guy you look towards, like uh, like a Pat Mahomes, A.J. Brown, A.B., Big Ben. He's not one of those guys. It suits him well. And he has success in this role. Um, but, yeah, yeah, in terms of playing, uh, he's not 
Um, he won't win you games. He won't. He might lose you games sometimes, but he's not going to win you games. He's just there to do his role. You can get him the ball. He's pretty decently reliable, but um, he's not the one you want to get into in the big moments. He's not one of those guys. So what did you think of his comments then regarding James Bradbury in that ill-fated Valentine's Day graphic? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, uh, as a character, as his character goes, that's kind of like who he is a bit. Um, he won't, he doesn't mind like trolling somebody. A lot of people troll him or come at him, so he doesn't mind giving it back. Um, there's also the part where you guys just won the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I support the, the idea that if you just won the Super Bowl, you can pretty much say whatever you want. You can say anything no. you want and, uh, really give it to anybody you want. And, um, it's a bit different because uh, his play with Bradbury is what kind of decided the game in an ill-advised holding call. So that might be the little asterisk there that um, kind of makes you think twice about it. But um, I wasn't expecting it by any means. But I thought it was. I chuckled when I when I read it, and I did expect the 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 responses um, by AJ Brown um, sticking up for his teammate. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was I'm I'm sixty forty in favor of. Uh, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been. You probably could have done without posting that. Um, maybe you could have shown it to other people. But you didn't have to post it. Uh, but yeah, that's where I kind of stood on it. Uh, uh, he could have done without posting it, really. He really could have. Like, why? Again, you just won the Super Bowl. I agree with you. You can say whatever you want, but at the same time, you just won the Super Bowl. Why? Why do you have to start? Why do you have to start controversy? Like. You know, you just celebrated yesterday, you know, great parade, blah, 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 all this. You know, why do you have to start stuff up? Why do you got to reignite it? Why do you got to, you know, why do you have to piss off another fan base? Especially because Bradbury admitted it. Like, he admitted he held them, and he didn't, like, go to Twitter after the game and was out uh, out crying about how he didn't hold how the refs suck or anything he admitted it and then he didn't say anything else so that was a bit uh uh uncalled for from juju i guess from that standpoint yeah i mean again it's just so subject it is really subjective and again you could if you're a chiefs fan great you won the super bowl you deserve it that was a great performance if you're an eagles fan like me who holds a grudge I will always hate Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> never liked him. I didn't like him when he was on the Steelers. I don't like him now that he's on the Chiefs. I honestly think he is only famous now because of his YouTube and TikTok career. Honest, Honestly, he could retire, and I really hope he does, and just become a YouTuber. I genuinely believe that's what he's more interested in at this point. He's the type of guy, like a Ben Simmons, in my opinion, who... You know, they grew up love playing football, but now that they let that fame get to their head, they only care about playing your sport just to have, like, the image and the fame of it. That's all Juju cares about, in my opinion. That's all Ben Simmons cares about, is they only play just to maintain that, like, fame and that re and that recognition, uh, you know, across the country and across the world. That's why they are playing the games that they are now. And that's why a lot of people don't like them. That's why a lot of people don't like Juju in the NFL, players included. Players hate him. He really does not. 
he, I, in my opinion, I heard a lot of people say he ostracized himself from a lot of players in the league. And I'm not shocked. That's fair. Like, no, it's, I mean, it, he ostracized himself because of those comp, because of those comments. And again, the NFL is a brotherhood. All those guys play football. They all understand the injury risk. They all have these shared experiences and they're all going to root for one another. Yeah, they're going to hate each other when they play each other. You know, they might hate each other because the other guy, you know, is a juju or, you know, now is it or now is a B who has lost his mind. Sorry for the Steelers. Hey, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but I mean, he really separated himself from the from a lot of the NFL in not a good way. And I don't think it's going to help him, you know, in the years going forward. And, you know, who knows how long he stays with the Chiefs. I feel like that's going to affect him if he ever decides to sign with another team. I really do. Because teams, you know, everybody watches. Everybody is locked into Twitter. Everybody's locked into these social media apps. They see everything. So those GMs in charge of the making decisions to who to sign to a team, you know, are you going to sign Juju who, you know, brings a lot of baggage, both literally and figuratively? Or are you going to sign some other guy who maybe be may not be as talented as Juju, but he's not going to cause any issue? Like, who are you going to who are you going to sign? I'm going to sign the guy that's not maybe a little bit less talented than Juju. But I'm going to take the non baggage because why do I need that for my organization? I think he's still, I mean, again, he is a talented player. There's a reason he's in the NFL. There's a reason he's on the Chiefs. He's a good player, and I think he fits solidly in that number two, number three role. But he got he got majorly exposed when he was the only good wide receiver in, in Pittsburgh. And I think people see that, see him for who he is truly now as that kind of supporting cast, that supporting wide receiver for a lot of teams. I don't know if he's ever going to get a contract. He probably will. He'll probably get a one-year or two-year contract with a team. At maybe if he ends up staying with the Chiefs. If he doesn't, again, it might be a one-year deal, a two-year deal, a prove-it deal. That's going to be it for Juju. He will not get a big long-term contract because I don't think teams can realistically commit themselves, commit themselves and their money to a guy like that who could easily blow up and have these moments where, you know, he separates himself from a lot of the league in not a good way. Yeah, um, I agree. That's why I think, like, I think he'll end up probably re-signing with the Chiefs. I think they'll maybe give him a two-year because um, he is a free agent now. Um, but, yeah, the Chiefs wide receiver room is not exponentially deep, so they're – they could use a guy like him, uh, rotate in and out because it's him, MVC, Sky Moore, Miko Hardman. The they don't really have a one uh receiver there. They got a bunch of twos, a bunch of pretty decent twos, and a few threes at this moment. They could develop to be better. Maybe Miko Hardman could get better. Sky Moore's only in his first year. They could um elevate their game, but right now they don't have a one, and maybe they like it like that. Uh, they only really need one big target which is Travis Kelsey they scheme him open um most of the time and as well as him getting himself open a bunch of times as well so um 
They're all very fortunate that Andy Reid's calling plays for them. See if Eric Bieniemy will stay. He interviewed for the Commanders' offensive coordinator job, but um, it is it must be nice playing with Andy Reid with the in in and exponentially amount of ways he could just get you open and design plays that make these guys look really good um, on the Chiefs, but perhaps other in other places they might not look so good like we've seen with uh, Juju in his time with the Steelers after AB left and uh, Le'Veon left. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Again, it's a tough – for Kansas City, it cements their dynasty at the moment. I really believe they're in a dynasty at the moment. They have their Super Bowl window, which is probably going to be another two, three years, in my opinion. Uh, you're going to have to find a number one. You have to find – you're not going to find a Tyree kill. You need to find a number one, though, because all those guys, in my opinion, seem like supporting cast wide receivers. There's not someone that really jumps off the page to me in that Chiefs wide receiver room. Pacheco is a star, though. Pacheco is yeah, a rising star, and he's going to – I think he's really going to blossom in year two and going forward. He has a lot of potential. And I mean, he is a, I don't know if you've seen the story behind him, but again, he's probably one of the most driven people in the entire league. And if you haven't seen a story, I'd highly, I would recommend checking it out. You know, there's a reason why as a seventh round pick, he was a starter on a Super Bowl team. There's a reason for that. He's going to be a star in this league and whoever has him, whether it's the Chiefs or another team for the long term, you're getting a good running back, in my opinion. For the Eagles, again, it's such a tough break. You're the you were the best team in the league for practically the entire season, and you make a little couple a uh, couple mistakes here, some bad officiating calls that don't go your way, and you're sitting at your lockers cleaning it out with the media hounding you. What went wrong? We just didn't play up to our standards. And that's the toughest thing about this team. It's because the standards are there. And I know this team could have won the Super Bowl. And I know the coaching staff could have won them that Super Bowl. But they didn't. And it sucks to see that because I know they could have. So it's going to be tough. The Eagles do have two first-round picks, though. It'll be interesting to see who they end up picking. And we will preview that in the next couple of weeks. We'll take a couple of weeks break, but we'll be back before – the draft in April to preview that again. Thank you again for listening to us throughout this season. Every week, we really appreciate everyone listening in. It's been another fantastic year for the NFL, even if it didn't go the Eagles way. You saw a lot of growth in the league this year and a lot of future stars that have popped up and will lead the league in the future. So thank you again for listening to us this season. We'll be back in a couple weeks to preview the 2023 NFL draft and who your team might be picking in the first round and the rest of the draft as well. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.